Welcome to Making Bank, where we talk to the creators and community of Bankless DAO, the world's first ever media and culture DAO. I personally believe that the Bankless DAO will be able to help people all over the world achieve financial freedom through decentralized finance protocols. It's time to join the Bankless DAO on our mission to ditch Wall Street and the banks. There were lots of calls and meetups this week, and the DAO has been busy putting in a lot of work to flesh out our priorities for the end of season zero. Some community highlights from the Bankless DAO weekly roll-up number four. Check that out if you haven't already. We made the news on Forefront. Check out the link for the latest house party event with the members of DAO House featuring our very own Frog Monkey. It's a great conversation about DAOs, and Frog Monkey has some really cool things to say. And last but not least, the Ultrasound Money Man NFT is still on the market and more editions are available. And it's hard to believe, but season one is coming up right around the corner. Frog Monkey lets us know that technically season one starts on Friday, June 4th. So check out his post on gearing up for season one. This is probably the best all-in-one post to see everything that's going on right now in the DAO because he breaks down all of our on-chain revenue, priorities, and onboarding, governance, guilds, the path to season one, and more. Make sure to read Zero X Lucas's vision for bankless seasons as well. In tokenomics, Frog Monkey's third brain dump called Is Bank Money kicked off a heated discussion on bankless DAO's tokenomics, and the focus seems to be on using legitimate ways to drive value by tying bank into revenue streams. Examples of that could be merch drops, an NFT auction house, referral programs, the bed index that we have coming up, and B2B services and consulting. So what are we looking at right now? Well, one of our first initiatives is definitely the onboarding project, an ambitious multi-guild initiative. We want to create fun educational modules that can teach beginners about DeFi. We also have the PyDAO discussions. This is very intriguing to me. PyDAO reached out to BanklessDAO to circulate a liquidity mining program with high APRs. The more traffic we drive, the larger cut of fees we receive into our treasury. I love this because BanklessDAO is all about DeFi, and I believe fully that we should practice what we preach and get the bank token involved with some of these DeFi protocols. Not only will it help boost our liquidity, but it will start generating some fee revenue for the treasury. We are also working with Metafactory, and there's been a lot of excitement around that. And there's also been a lot of discussion. There was a water cooler call on Sunday night talking all about how we will pay contributors. What type of compensation structure and packages could we provide? And how could we leverage DeFi Legos to make smart financial decisions? It's a lot of fun, and there is a lot more to come. So make sure to subscribe to the weekly roll-up. If you haven't, that's where I read most of this news. And let's get to our interview segment. Today, I'm delighted to talk to Elite Viking. He is one of our level two contributors, and he's done a ton of work for the DAO. He's very uh, involved in a lot of different discussions that are going on in the DAO. He has said that he's relatively new to crypto, which is great because part of our goal here at Bankless is to bring newbies into the space in our mission to reach 1 billion people and help them become bankless. Welcome, Elite Viking. And can you tell us a bit about what brought you to Bankless and how you began your bankless journey? Yeah, for sure. My story is a little bit different than uh, most of what you'll hear. I always get a chuckle. Um, 
when I hear people say that this stuff doesn't happen because I'm, I'm definitely one of the people where it does. But uh, back in March, April, I started using the uh, the Brave browser and they kept pushing the, uh, the bankless newsletter ads in front of me. And the end of April, I'm like, all right, you know, there's a lot of content, a lot of value here. Learning a lot. Let's uh, jump in as a as a premium subscriber and see what that's about, and see what kind of a network we got here. And then um, the airdrop came out of blue, out of the blue, and I had done what they were asking and been taking action. And this opened up, and um, yeah, I figured, you know, if I'm gonna actually learn this stuff, the best thing I can do for myself is learn it with the people who know what's what. And the people who more or less, like nobody truly knows anything with a hundred percent certainty inside and out, but at least hang around with the people who are pretty likely to know this kind of stuff inside and out. And then at least, then I know I'm getting like solid education, right? I could go to Google or, or Bing or any of that, that garbage. And who knows what kind of advice I'm I'm getting on how to manage my own wealth and, and sovereignty. Or I could just dive in the pool head first and hope for the best <laughs> and uh, see what comes out of learning it as I go with, with people who seem to be very knowledgeable. And that uh, that ended up with, well, the end result was me being here on this call with you right now. <laughs> Lots more on the go. As we all know, it was pretty chaotic here the first couple of weeks. And just from like diving into the community and seeing what's going on, I found all of these contentious issues that nobody really wanted to deal with that would make the, that would make things just a lot smoother for everybody, right? Like, mm -hmm. how are we self-organizing? What is our source of truth? And that's kind of how Notion, the Notion or Gitbook or whatever project got birthed. And there was a lot of contention about how the airdrops were handled and using emails as a way of uh, gauging participation and stuff like that. And all of those privacy concerns. And I mean, it was just going to fester. And who knows what kind of brand damage would be done if nobody jumped in and dealt with it. So I was, me and Lambda just kind of jumped in there and started hammering all that stuff out. And that was done. There was other things that could be improved. And it's just a constant, it's been a constant game of what kind of, what kind of feedback loops are going on and how can we make everything a lot smoother for everybody. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And I hope that you found that everyone is really um, friendly. You know, that's one thing I found coming into the crypto space is that everyone is friendly and there's no stupid question usually. You know, everybody wants to learn and everyone's learning together. And that's what's really cool. Is that the experience you found so far in, in the world of crypto? Absolutely. Yeah. That's really how you can tell um, which communities have potential and know what they're doing, right? If you jump into a community like some of the meme coin communities where they're all like rah, 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 moonshots, um, half broken English, um, and they're kind of getting defensive about questions that are going through, you generally know it's something to stay away from. And there's a lot of great communities where it does. you don't have to do much due diligence or research and you can just see how friendly and welcoming and knowledgeable they are. And that's definitely what you want to be gravitating towards. 
that is a good point. There's some telltale signs that you can look for in a lot of Discord channels to see kind of what kind of quality is going through the, you know, the channels. And community might wonder why there's a an entrance fee uh, to get in, you know, and a lot of crypto protocols do this where you have to have a little bit of skin in the game to kind of prove that you are willing to put you know, something on the line to show that you that you really want to contribute to the DAO. So keeping the barrier to entry high, it helped us. It was it, it, it's acting like a quality control metric because we really get the most committed and engaged people back here who are serious. As it stands as of this weekend, actually, I believe yesterday, a vote pretty much unanimously passed to be able to give anybody a guest pass coming in that's in the level zero chats. So if you're in the level zero chat and you have some awesome ideas on how you can contribute, by all means, go in there and throw your work up. If you're like a video guy, uh, shoot like some intro, maybe an intro video for the podcast, anything like that, throw it up there, get some eyes on it. And if any of the guilds see it and like it enough, they can nominate you for a guest pass so you can get back here and start contributing and earn your way in that way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a quality control barrier. Exactly. That's, you know, basically the point of it. Now with the guest pass, that barrier to entry is in a sense eliminated, right? It gives people mm -hmm. a chance to showcase their work to get in and then see what happens from there. Because it's, it's all those level zero contributors that are, uh, testing out the system real time that are going to shape what the system looks like. We're not going to know how it works or if it works until we're putting people through it. And then we can assess what's going on and make new decisions from there. I also was interested in the part of the community call where um, someone talked about, you know, possibly the DAO possibly investing in projects in the future. And I definitely think that that could be some, there could be some way to uh, generate on-chain revenue with that model too by investing in other DeFi projects as well. So that's an interesting thing. I know that got sparked up and actually that got spun up after the community call. I believe that there's a, a channel and they're actually looking into what we could do to have our own VC fund. Uh, somebody, I can't remember who, uh, it might have been international capitalist came to, yeah. came in here with an idea um, and was looking around at what options are available out there. And there's really not a lot in in the VC vein in the space out there. That is something that I think it's great right now to have all these projects on the go and have them as standalone projects. It gives us a lot more flexibility and adaptability to find our footing and figure out how we're going to structure stuff. I also see if we follow that path down the road, there's a lot of potential for these projects to be fueling each other and work under the same umbrella, right? The the onboard project is doing a great job of tackling the uh, the consumer aspect and how do we get everyday people into DeFi. The onboard project is very developer heavy and there's going to be a lot of build out going with that to build that platform out. Sounds like they want to leverage like augmented reality or virtual reality and have like a Decentraland type system behind it for learning crypto. Um, so all of these projects, like it's amazing. They, they work very well as standalone projects. And I, I can't even 
comprehend the the future potential and when these things are more fleshed out what's that going to look like like there's an <laughs> infinite number yeah. of ways we can combine these projects together to make much more powerful offerings and further our mission that much more like that's what's right? exciting to me i'm like yeah. dude we get to write the book we're sitting here writing the writing book. the history books <laughs> yeah for dows exactly it's so you're right like dows already alone are a very um you know, kind of mind-blowing concept. But then when you look into Dow-to-Dow partnerships and what that can do with actually all coordinating together, it's insane. Yeah, the amount of possibilities are just endless. I didn't even know what a Dow was until four weeks ago when Bankless spun up there. So it's, like, <laughs> it's a constant game of, of learning and, you know, definitely being humble. Humble is a part of it and really kicking our egos aside. It can be very hard to accept when you don't know stuff and ask for help. And that's one thing that I'm very, that is one thing that speaks volumes about the team that's presented itself here is we don't, I haven't really, I haven't really seen anybody let their ego get in the way of what we're building. Um, if somebody steps in with more knowledge about a specific area, we tend to just say, Hey, like, we need we need you over here with us. So can you like spend some time over here and help us figure this out a lot quicker? It yeah, really does right. go a long way when you have that team. Cool. That's awesome. If you could maybe even just give us um give the listeners some news on the tokenomics thread, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it kind of got it kind of got wrapped into there a little bit, right? Because I mean, on one hand, our token is pretty much a governance token. And with minimal utility, the only utility that it really has right now is uh, tipping people inside of the DAO. And that's, that's great. <clears throat> that's a good start. But we're trying to figure out what can we do for like liquidity, staking, all of that kind of stuff. Like we want, we clearly want bank to be money, but how are we going to make it money? And what are, what makes the most sense in order to achieve that? without putting our backs against the wall or doing any damage to the treasury or the brand, right? So we're looking at what can we do to stage things in, in a way that makes sense. Uh, it, but also working within our means to get to wherever it is that we want to go. So we can start doing other solutions that probably cost a lot more capital to implement on, right? We're looking into all of that. And that's really what all of those conversations ended up tying into because we're going to have to use bank for money one way or another. We need liquidity so we can use it for utility. There's a, there's a lot of things that kind of go into these conversations. Yeah, exactly. Very multi multifaceted. Can you tell us some, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing for your role in the Dow lately? Yeah, I've been kind of, it almost feels like I've been all, all over the place, but first and foremost, I guess you could say I've been uh, a community guy. Um, doing my best to help everybody feel heard, acknowledged, appreciated, and uh, contributing, which is great because as I'm going through and getting the general sentiment on from the community, it gives me ideas for projects, right? Like the, uh, we all know how contentious the first airdrop was. So there was that, uh, Lambda and I, that was a quite a hairy proposal to be working on uh, to get a lot of those privacy issues squared away and all that kind of stuff. 
from there, I jumped into the Notion project. I helped, I helped uh, steer that towards where it is. It was not my idea by any means, but I was looking at like duplicated work efforts, uh, lots of people starting similar projects and uh, bad blood forming and all of these different operational things that, I mean, we could protocol it out relatively simple and not even have those issues to begin with. My big baby right now is going to be the business to business project and putting that together. That's what's that going to look like to help us drive some immediate revenue into the Dow? Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. And can you, um, are you able to tell us any more information about the second airdrop? Because I think that's coming up this week, I believe, right? Yeah. So the way that it's going to work is it's going to be POAP based. It doesn't matter where your badge is hosted. You can have it on XDI or ETH. So that's always nice. Um, that gets rid of the privacy concerns around uh, using emails and email trackers to figure out who to distribute it to. So the snapshot is going to be taken at 12 o'clock UTC time. And whatever wallet your badge is in is the wallet that will be eligible to claim the airdrop. So as long as you have a bankless premium subscriber badge from 2020 or 2021, you will be eligible to claim that airdrop provided it's in your wallet. We're working, it's a constant game of improving and growing and seeing what we can do to, to streamline things and make things more efficient. But like the business to business project that I'm working on, I'm thinking the path of least resistance to get us driving revenue. And again, I know this is not perfect and it's not ideal and it's probably gonna piss a lot of people off and I'm okay with that. But I think the path of least resistance is how many entrepreneurs do we have within the DAO that have products, services, or experiences that are more or less ready to go to market? Probably quite a few because it's the entrepreneur-minded people that are going to thrive the most in these environments. So that could potentially be a product shelf for us. And so what I'm looking in, what I'm looking into doing is what we got some customer surveys that we're building out, one for businesses who have already transitioned uh, to blockchain and a second one for businesses who want to and don't know where to start. From there, we can look at like what do we have available to us in-house. Like um, I've been thinking about starting up my own podcast back here, um, something to the effect of sovereign health and leadership because health, fitness, leadership, all of that's my jam. And a lot of that ties into the cultural values that I've been um, trying to incorporate back here and have been working. So I've been thinking about that. Um, and what that would look like is, is the DAO needs revenue and we need to honor our contributors. I know that everybody's situation is different, but... Um, we don't, we can't afford to be losing talent because they need to provide for their families. And after the, the pod, after the community call on Friday, it became pretty evident that that's not just one or two people who are stuck in that boat, um, who are putting pretty close to full-time effort into here. Um, there's, there's probably a large number of people. Um, so this solution, I'm kind of thinking, if you're an entrepreneur, you have a product or a service or experience that would be a great fit for the DAO and the DAO's mission, um, throw it on the product shelf 
we've got the team and marketing and all of that kind of stuff that can help us design design promotions and, and whatever we need to push that out to market for whether that's consulting fees, revenue splits, whatever, right? However it's structured for each individual business or whatever. But that gives us uh, partnerships with other businesses, whether they're in our space or not, um, gives us some room to get creative. And if we follow a model of charging consulting fees for businesses to help them with this kind of stuff, that's super quick and easy revenue into the DAO to help everybody breathe and feel more uh, confident contributing over the long haul, right? Because there's light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that, you know, this is a viable business. As the revenue and the treasury and stuff, as we start getting more healthy finances within the DAO, we can start looking at these solutions and asking ourselves, how do we want to make them ours, right? Is there, how can we take some of these offline thing, off-chain things and make them on-chain things? How can we, how can we, how can we? And at that point in time, we will have the revenue and, and the capital, the resources and the talent pool and able to pull that off without putting ourselves, our backs against the wall and putting anybody in a position to potentially go bankrupt to get this off the ground. You know what I mean? And that's what we're looking, that's what I'm looking yeah. at right now uh, for the business to business. What is the path of least resistance to take care of our people, to take care of our DAO and position us sooner than later in a spot that is ideal to complete some of these other initiatives that have to happen for us to continue to operate within integrity. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes sense. I mean, if, if we're not taking care of our people, if we're not, uh, yeah, if we're not taking care of our people, we're not going to have a organization or a business very long, right? So the first thing is, is how can we take care of our people sooner than later? And then all of these things, um, like talking to Joe and stuff, trying to figure out a potential um, payroll model and stuff like that, that we can start implementing on at the end of next month. And all of this kind of stuff, it's, it's a good start, right? And that's what people need to see. Otherwise, that's what people need to see before we start shedding talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. By the end of next month, huh? That, that's pretty soon. Maybe. Yeah. It depends. Okay. Hopefully, we can get the proposal pushed through, right? Because that's going to have to go to a snapshot and everything. Okay. Um, yep. So there's going to be a lot of... If that... I know the conversation's happening now. Um, yeah, it's still pretty up in the air, but at least it's, it's something, right? It gives us a place to find our footing. Yeah, you know, DAOs are a new way of sourcing talent, essentially. And we believe that DAOs will be um, more enjoyable to work for than companies in the future, I think. And that's exciting to know. For many others, I'm sure, feel the same as I do, where, you know, we'd love to have more time to put into this, um, but can only put so many hours a week in. And just know that, you know, they there might be potential in the future for, uh, being able to be paid out by the treasury, which means that you'll be able to maybe put more time into it uh, if you are a freelancer or an op entrepreneur who wants to uh, contribute more than they currently are. So that's awesome to see some of those discussions already being had even this early in the game. And I'm excited to be part of it. It's, 
Yeah. I, I think exciting is an understatement. Yeah. I, I don't even know <laughs> what would be a better word for it. Yeah. Think of it from like an on, like, and, and like you can take a step back with the business to business idea and think of it in this light too. Like for an entrepreneur who wants to um, commit full time or close to, and can't necessarily do that right now. If they have products, services, or experience that fits our our mission and vision and culture, um, that is a very potentially a very lucrative way to leverage both their brand and the bankless brand. Like there's whether that's potentially rebranding something to be under the bankless banner mm-hmm. or having some sort of a preferred partner type thing, right? that hits exposure on so many different more levels for for both brands or um, entrepreneurs or whatever. It gives those specific entrepreneurs the light at the end of the tunnel and the incentive to jump in back here full time. While at the same time, it's push, moving the dial forward with the DAO so that we can position ourselves a lot sooner to be able to take care of the rest of our people as well. Exactly. So like, there's a lot of potential there. And it's like, it's a huge win-win-win across the board. If we can find a way to make this work and get the buy-in from everybody to turn the light switch on. Yeah. And for media nodes, I think it's going to be mutually beneficial. I hope to see that. And that's exactly what you said. I think that it can be used as a sort of, you know, I won't say, I won't go as far as to say a venture capitalist, um, model, but that is what some DAOs are doing is uh, are trying to become these Web3 incubators, decentralized venture capital, so to speak. Uh, Bankless DAO, I won't say is doing exactly that because we're starting as kind of one of the first media DAOs, but I can still see a relationship there, like you said, business to business where, um, yeah, where you're you're utilizing the DAO's resources and they're also, um, you know, utilizing your resources all with the mission of going bankless. So that's a really great point that you make about possibly rebranding or, or looking to co-brand, co-brand your, your, yeah, co-brand in the future. Exactly. It's been really fun and interesting to watch DAOs go from being like a prototype to becoming an actual functioning organization. And so excited that we're at this point now with a lot of these on-chain DAOs. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, as someone who doesn't have so much of a crypto background, what have your initial thoughts been on DAOs? Have you done any research on other DAOs? I've just been focusing on Bankless. I haven't done too much research outside of Bankless. There's a lot of amazing people that are doing that research. Um, I would rather commit my time and my energy elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But what I do notice is there's a lot of similarities, right? Like, Looking back, um, you can kind of look at it from a historical perspective for, um, in terms of warrior traditions, right? A good example would be like the Spartans or the Navy SEALs or any of those or, um, those themes and organizations, right? Especially the Navy SEALs, um, part of being a DAO, like a DAO is decentralization. That's, that's really the key thing. So it's a flat organization. Well, like top performing teams, elite teams since the dawn of time have operated that way, right? The Navy SEALs are a prime example. Um, whoever's in whatever bureaucratic office, they, the good leaders know 
that they don't have a pulse on what's going on in the ground on the ground. So they have no authority and no business to be telling their teams how to operate because that's going to be putting their team's lives in jeopardy. Right. So the, mm, the okay. team on the front line has the full autonomy to to lead and make their own decisions. And information gets passed almost flat up and down the chain of command, right? And so I see like looking at at warrior traditions and how different how different organizations or whatever you want to call them like that operate. To me, it's the same thing. It, it's it's pretty much the exact same system, right? There's ex- the the main difference being whereas um, in the seals or whatever, in the seals or whatever department of the military, you have your lieutenants, your commanders, and so on and so forth. Everything is flat here. Instead of having people, we have a website as our source of truth. Um, just diving in headfirst into bankless is how I learned. That's my learning style. Fire <laughs> and fail forward fast. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good point for all um, DAO members who are looking to get involved. Um, you know, you don't have to know everything about um, the subject you want to get into, you know, um, like I heard Devin on the marketing team say in the call that if you're interested in doing marketing stuff, feel free to join and, um, and pitch in. You don't have to necessarily have experience in marketing to get involved. So that's really cool that that's a unique feature. I actually see in, in a lot of DAOs is the fact that everyone can learn together and you can kind of pitch in wherever you want and then learn as you go. And, in doing that, you uh, you gain experience and make friends doing it. As a result of joining the the DAO, have you started to talk to any of your real world friends about crypto, or or what uh, what reactions have you gotten from <laughs> friends and family? Oh man! In the nature of time, I'm going to try not to go on a tangent here, but that's a can <laughs> of worms that sends me on a tangent. Yeah, <laughs> like it's um. Yeah, I've been talking to people. I talk to people a lot all the time, um, right from the get go. When I started trying to figure this stuff out and learning this stuff, I've been talking to people. I think that we're in quite an interesting situation, right? Because a big part of a big part of this space is all about uh, not necessarily privacy, but in a sense, privacy more so the pseudo anonymity, right? I think that it's a very, I think it's a chicken and an egg problem to have. Because with so many people in the industry wanting to be pseudo-anonymous, it makes it that much harder for everyday people to trust us and want to get into the industry. Because mm. we're not real people. We're random emojis <laughs> and text. Yeah. And it, like, yeah. So there's a huge, I think the the default of being a pseudo-anonymous in the industry is potentially hurting us a lot more than it's helping us in terms of mass adoption. Um, and I have no problem, like, I have no problem uh, not hiding behind my screen name. So I'm definitely, definitely out there and definitely vocal about what I'm doing and what I'm into. Because for just everyday people that you see walking down the street, they need to have that no like, and trust factor in order to start getting involved. And if we're hiding behind being anonymous, they don't have anybody that they feel like they can trust and turn to to learn this kind of stuff. Um, there's there's no safety net there for them. 
So I think it needs, I think we need people who are willing to put their face on what they're doing, put their name on what they're doing and put themselves out there. But that doesn't mean that we should be directing everybody to our wallets either. Right. <laughs> Keep what's mm -hmm. in your wallet to yourself, but at the same time, don't be don't be afraid to put your put your name and your face out there to provide legitimacy behind what we're trying to build. That's a tricky one right there, I think. Yeah, because it's like, you know, these protocols are supposed to be trustless. So in theory, you shouldn't have to trust the founders because it's decentralized and, and trustless and on the blockchain and everything is enforced by code. But in reality, a lot of these protocols are just not there yet. You know, we're seeing a lot of different protocols start to go fully decentralized, like MakerDAO, for example. Um, they're just now becoming decentralized after, you know, two years or so of founder control, essentially holding the, the admin keys and all that. And so um, it's interesting because, yeah, you, exactly. You, until the contracts are audited and all that and even after that you still have to trust the founders a bit and so to have all these pseudo-anonymous protocols or completely anonymous protocols sometimes it's harder for regular investors to want to trust them at all uh so i can understand that yeah it's uh it's it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds with other DAOs as well if we're hiding behind pseudo-anonymity that just i don't know to me it just adds more fuel to that fire <laughs> Right, right. It's going to be interesting to see how this space evolves, right? It's, I mean, it's, we've, um, Bankless, the LLC has said it time and time again on their podcast. And I know there's a lot of people out there that it's really going to come down to a few key people, um, to really blaze the trail, right? Because most people just aren't, a lot of people just aren't willing to be the ones to blaze that trail. They want to participate, but they don't want their face on it. <laughs> Exactly. I agree. I It's super fascinating space and it's a lot of fun to be a part of and I'm just happy to be along for the ride. So thanks so much for uh, joining us and and uh, having this conversation. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me here and I'm looking forward to writing the book on how this space is going to be with you. I think we definitely got the right team to do it and you're definitely up there on that list as well, my friend. Thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you are interested in joining the Bankless DAO or even just learning more about it, head to our website at bankless.community to read our manifesto and see what we're all about. You'll find links there for our different sites such as Medium, Substack, and Discord. Please remember this is not financial advice, so don't invest more than you can afford to lose. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week.